Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Francis Langford, Betty Davis, Mel Blanc as Private Sandsack, and Bob Hope. the darling of the AEF during World War II, Miss Frances Langford. Ah, 
I know you recognize that tune. An up-tempo version of Bob Hope's theme, Thanks for the Memory. And of course, it's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. During World War II, Bob Hope appeared before more servicemen than any other entertainer. And those who didn't have an opportunity to see him could hear him on the armed forces, radio, service programs like Mail Call. Here he is with actress Betty Davis and Mel Blanc as Private Sad Sack. I'm expecting a very important visitor today. Betty Davis is coming down to help me with my dramatic column. Gee, Betty Davis? Yeah, and the place looks awful. We ought to get some real Venetian blinds in this office. Real Venetian blinds? Sure, it doesn't look business like hanging up my long underwear and opening and closing the flap. <laughs> Now, you go tidy up the reception room, and I'll straighten up in here. Okay, Chief. Gee, I better be at my best when Betty Davis gets here. I'm glad I've got this perfume machine in the office. I'll drop a nickel in and get a little perfume. Wonder if I ought to empty out my shoes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm all set. Come in. Hello, Bob. Well, here she is, Betty Davis. Just imagine Betty Davis coming down to the G.I. Journal to help with my first literary effort. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overjoyed. I'm overcome. This ham is a little overdone. <laughs> but seriously, Bob, why'd you ask me to come over? Well, you see, Betty, everybody on G.I. Journal does what he's best suited for. We have a sports expert who edits the sport page. Our political expert does a column on international affairs, so I thought you'd help me out with my specialty. But, Bob, what do I know about peeking over transoms? <laughs> Betty, I write a column on acting, a dramatic column. You mean that you give actors advice? Frankly, I try to concentrate on giving actresses advice. And do they take your advice? Well, no, most of them get out and walk home. <laughs> but, uh, Betty, you sound a little dubious. Don't you think I'm qualified to teach acting? Do you see my performance in The Princess and the Pirate? I certainly did, Bob. I laughed and laughed and laughed. You did, really? Yes, what love scenes. <laughs> Oh, well, come on now, Betty. Admit it. I bet you were very surprised at my acting. Surprised? I couldn't believe my nose. <laughs> but, Bob, you know, you shouldn't take yourself too seriously in this business. After all, no, no matter how big a star you may be, the public can forget you overnight. Yes, that's Hollywood. One day you're putting your footprints in cement, the next day you're back mixing it. <laughs> You've certainly done all right in Hollywood, Bob, considering that you came out here to pick oranges. <laughs> I, well, I, I'll, I'll, I guess I have come pretty far. I, I'll never forget my first picture. They had to call off the sneak preview. Why? They couldn't find enough sneaks to fill the theater. <laughs> but, Betty, I've always believed that suffering helps make an actor great. Oh, you're absolutely right, Bob. Every performer should suffer. You mean you agree with me? Certainly. I think that I should suffer, too. So how would you like to be the leading man in my next picture? <laughs> me? Your leading man? Gee whiz, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overjoyed. I'm over... Here we go again. <laughs> Bob, why don't you drop over to my house this evening? I'll tell you all about your part. You never can tell. When the picture comes out, they might give you an Oscar. If they do, Crosby will slip me a Mickey. Betty? How <laughs> long, Bob? Goodbye. An 
now it's evening, and we find G.I. Journal's editor, Bob Hope, arriving at the home of Betty Davis. I've got to impress Betty tonight. As soon as she comes to the door, I'll recite some Shakespeare to her. Ah, oh, what madness has consumed me. Is this a dagger I see before me? Yea, and verily, is this a dagger I see before me? Don't be silly, Bob. That's your nose. <laughs> Please, Betty, that's no way to talk to me. Look, I even brought you a bouquet of flowers. My roses, ladialas, tulips, begonias. Why didn't you get all one kind, Bob? Well, after all, Betty, you can't be choosy when the cops are chasing you. <laughs> now, this is a lovely house, Betty, and, and look at that mantelpiece with those two beautiful Oscars. I'll bet you're very proud of them. Oh, I am, Bob. Do you like the way I have them arranged? Yes, in fact, I'd say everything around here is pretty well stacked. <laughs> you... <laughs> You never have won an Oscar, have you, Bob? No, I haven't. And a while back, I decided to change my luck. I began uh, eating nothing but chicken, and every time I'd eat that chicken, I'd take out the wishbone and wish for an Oscar. Day and night, I ate chicken. And what did it get you? Fat. <laughs> well, Bob, your worries may be over. The trouble is that you've been getting the wrong kind of parts. Now, my picture is just perfect for you, and you play the title role. Oh, that's great, Betty. What's the name of the picture? The Life of Bing Crosby. <laughs> Sabotage. The life of Bing Crosby? Yes. You call that living? I think it's just perfect. I think it's just perfect for I'm you, I'm too Bob. young for a thing like that. <laughs> Again, I think it's just perfect for you, Bob. I still say I'm too young, that's all. What do I do? You playing the part of Bing Crosby. Well, the deal's off. Why should I make that guy look good? <laughs> I'm sorry, Betty, I want to be your leading man, but this is too much. I just couldn't be Bing Crosby. Not enough talent? Not enough kids. <laughs> Look, I want to... I, I don't think it, it'd be too tough for a makeup job anyway. Take his hair, for instance. What about it? Nothing. Somebody took it. <laughs> but wait a minute now. Maybe I will do it. This will give me a chance to make him look bad. Yes, like he did to you in all those road pictures. <laughs> we'll take the part, Bob. Yes, I will. That's fine. We're going to start the picture during Crosby's childhood. Mm -hmm. In the opening scene, he's talking to his first little girlfriend. And who plays the part of Betsy Ross? <laughs> Bob, as a matter of fact, this scene takes place in a very tough neighborhood. I don't know whether you knew it or not, but Bing Crosby grew up in a sort of a, a hell's kitchen. Well, that figures. A kitchen is the right place for one meatball. <laughs> Well, this first scene should be a cinch for me because I grew up in a tough neighborhood myself. You did? Yeah, that neighborhood was so tough, we used to go around giving hot foots to cats and dogs. Once we even gave a cow a hot foot. You gave a cow a hot foot? Did it work? Well, not so good. Every time we got the fire started, our sprinkling system went off. <laughs> then you know the type of neighborhood I mean. Let's start. You're Butch Crosby, and I'm his girlfriend, Myrtle. Okay, I'll set the scene. The life of Bing Crosby, or to have and have not, and nobody ever had more not. <laughs> Some tough music, please. Oh, Here I am, Moidal. Gee, Butch, you smell pretty tonight. What you got on? Clean socks. <laughs> Gee, Moidle, you sure are dressed elegant tonight. That's a nice bustle you're wearing. That ain't no bustle, Butch. I was stung by a bee. <laughs> look, at, look at 
a nice present I brung you, Moyle. Gee, thanks, thanks, Butch. What a swell present. Where'd you ever get these white mice? I don't know. I just combed my hair and there they were. <laughs> You've got your hair plastered down nice tonight, Butch. What did you use to plaster it down so nice? Plaster. <laughs> But how come you got blonde hair today? Mustard plastic. <laughs> say, say, I didn't tell you, Moidle, I took my draft examination yesterday. But Butch ain't 18. Sure I am, I'm 19. Butch, they mean how many years, not how many kids your mother had ahead of you. <laughs> but I'm surprised at you, Butch, you didn't even notice my pedicure. Pedicure, huh? What's that? That's when you get your toenails cut. Toenails cut? Moyle, you mean there's other ways of shortening them besides biting them? Oh, oh, you and your manners. You got no etiquette. I seen your dinner the other night blowing on your soup. What's wrong with blowing on your soup? It ain't proper. I never do. I would jump up on the table and fan it with my scoit. <laughs> oh, never mind that, Moyle. How about a kiss? Okay, but. <laughs> well, how was that? You've been siphoning gas tanks again, haven't you? Listen, Ethel, I mean, Moit. <laughs> you know, someday... <laughs> someday we'll get married and have a house. Yeah, and a baby. Yeah, maybe two. Maybe four, five. Six, seven. She just gets a grip on you like a pinball machine. <laughs> hey, Butch. Butch, here comes that new kid that just moved into the neighborhood. He's nice. Yeah, what's so hot about him? He belongs to the Boy Rangers. Boy Rangers, huh? Hey, you. Hey, were you addressing... Were you... Hello. What's your name, bud? Well, I'm... I'm a scout master. A scout master. You see, I'm an eagle ski. Eagle ski. I'm a first-class ski. Ski. I'm a tender for the... A tender for the... Private sad sack. Well, listen, bud, you gotta be plenty tough to stay in this neighborhood, see? Well, I'm a... tough. See? I, I can... bend steel to be... steel to be... I can tear a telephone to be... a telephone to be... I can tear a telephone to be... Hey, you wanna help me blow up my bubble gum? <laughs> see? Didn't I see you over at the fruit market before? Yeah, yeah and the, 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 the cops are after me. The cops? What'd you do? Well, I was pinching the tomato, the tomato, the I was pinching the tomato, the banana, the I was pinching grapes, the 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 I was pinching girls. <laughs> well, just scram and leave me and my girl alone. Hey, uh, but, uh, by the way, who's the ravishers yet? Yeah, the 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 who's the who's the gorgeous? Who's the lovely Lily? Hiya, Skype. <laughs> Hiya, Sack. Now, you stay away from Moidle. She's my girl. I'll prove it to you. I'll kiss her right now. Hey, uh, 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 can I have a kiss, too? Hey, uh, that was fun. <laughs> it was wonderful. I meant her. <laughs> Oh, 
I'll beat it, Sack. I'll lick it. Yeah, kiss Moidle any, any, any time I wanna. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't I just nod my head? Get out of here before I beat your head in. Oh, yeah, yeah if you want to fight, uh, yeah, come on and fight. Okay, I'll fight. Stop, Butch, stop. Please, Butch, stop. You're bleeding all over him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not uh, quitting, but I uh, got to go now. I got to uh, visit my father. Your father? Yeah, uh, last week he robbed the lumber yard. A lumberyard, huh? What happened? <laughs> yeah, they fenced him in. throughout the world for more than three generations. What more can I say than here he is before a live audience of the diplomatic corps and embassy personnel at the American Embassy in Moscow in 1959. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Tavarich and Tavarches. <laughs> You know, I've never been in this part of Texas before. <laughs> now, tonight we're broadcasting from Moscow, ladies and gentlemen, for a diplomatic corps of the America, Britain, and Canada in this wonderful ballroom or uh, gymnasium. <laughs> or uh, what kind of a garage is this, anyway? <laughs> now, we're thrilled to be in here, and it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful feel for me. This is quite a switch, you know, entertaining our civilians overseas. <laughs> And it's wonderful to see you. Funny, I never thought of working in embassy before. With my type of act, I can use diplomatic immunity. <laughs> and I'm happy to have the chance to work for the State Department. Now I'll get even for that passport picture. It's a beauty. Looks like George Arliss on the way to a health farm. <laughs> you'll be very cooperative tonight because on my passport I wrote comedian <laughs> and I'd hate to have the Russians think I lied <laughs> no the State Department was glad to let me come here because I'm cooperative I'm personable I'm charming and expendable Surprisingly enough, I'm not having any trouble with the language. Nobody speaks to me. <laughs> you know, the Russian language is very guttural. I cleared my throat in a restaurant today and the waitress slapped my face. <laughs> I 
and these Russian gals are really big and strong. The maid made up my bed this morning with me in it. But it's nice to be in Moscow in the spring. I know it's spring. The snow is turning green. I went out to buy one of those fur hats, you know, that you see them wearing in the pictures all the time, and I found out the truth. Those aren't fur hats. That's the way they cut hair here. <laughs> and it's a little colder than I thought it would be. Last night I tripped and broke my breath. But there must be a lot of American tourists in Moscow right now because the towels in my room aren't marked his and hers. They're marked ours, and don't you forget it. <laughs> no, it's pretty nerve-wracking staying in a country where the government owns everything. If you steal a towel, it's a federal wrap. <laughs> I've had to unpack three times. And you know, it's amazing the way the, Russia, uh, the, the people can get uh, the wrong impression because one Russian official showed me a picture of the starving people in America. People without shoes and nothing to eat, absolutely desperate. And I couldn't argue with him. It was a picture of the bus station in Las Vegas. <laughs> I just want to say that that's about it. Remember, this show is coming to you from an American embassy, and everything you hear tonight is classified information. <laughs> I just want to say thanks again. It's wonderful to see all you gypsies, and I just want to tell you that after this jaunt, the trip to the moon will be an anticlimax. Thank you very much. <laughs> wraps up another edition of the Golden Days of Radio, the program that brings to life some of the great broadcasts and personalities of the past. If you have a particular favorite or remember a certain program, perhaps I have it in my library. All I need is a request from you, and all you need is a postcard. Send your request to Frank Brzee, The Golden Days of Radio, Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, Los Angeles, California, 90038. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to tune in next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.